welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about New York City in the crosshairs of terrorists. You may have thought the recent attack in the near the Port Authority bus terminal uh, was a one-off or a, you know a surprise, um, but in fact. <laughs> Uh, ISIS has been encouraging their followers to attack New York City weeks before this Port Authority bus terminal explosion. Yes, and in fact, uh, we can therefore not expect this to just be a one-off or, in other words, a unique (laughs) um, attack. We just had the one actually recently uh, for Halloween Terrorists like to coincide their attacks with holidays because it's all part of the drama that um, they, you know, that helps them to get recognized by the media and attention, and just makes the whole thing more terrifying, which is kind of the point. So, um, before I get into what happened in New York and the details and so on, um, I want to talk about this warning that really has not been uh, publicized very much. But um, And that is in regard to what's in store for not only New York, uh, other cities as well, but New York, of course, is the favorite target. So uh, this past week, there was, as you know, a bomb explosion near the Port Authority bus terminal. Um, and uh, this, is, this is part of this call to, you know, a lone wolf, who was inspired by ISIS, he states that he was inspired by ISIS, Um, he answered the call to attack New York. And his name is Akayed Ula. He's 27. He states that he was inspired by ISIS. His bomb, fortunately, only partially went off as he walked through the subway passage near the Port Authority. Now, just a little quick reminder, I, I am born and bred in New York City, and which is why uh, when 9-11 happened, my life changed, even though by then I was in California. And I have been devoting my life to helping people cope with terrorism. And uh, I have trademarked myself as the terrorist therapist, which means that um, I am not a therapist for terrorists, unless the government wants to start having me do counter uh, terrorism therapy or counter-radicalization therapy. Um, but for right now, I am not a, t- a therapist for terrorists, and I am not a terrorist myself. Um, but I have been working to, as I say, help families keep calm and carry on in the face of terrorism since then. And I have been doing, um, I have had a hotline soon after 9-11 for people who were stressed out by terrorism, I've done an audio and video program for airlines that are played on domestic and foreign airlines um, that helps people who are frightened when they're flying because perhaps they had fear of flying before or not. Perhaps it's just that uh, now that there is more fear of uh, terrorists 
targeting airlines like they did on 9-11, more people are frightened when they fly. Of course, we've had the underwear bomber and we had the shoe bomber, and, you know, those were uh, notorious for their attempts to bring down planes after 9-11. So, uh, and then, of course, my most current and passionate project, my book that was just released called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. This is the first and only book for kids about terrorism. The first part of the book uh, is for grown-ups, parents and grandparents and teachers, and the second part is a picture book for kids aged 5 to 12. And in the adult part, um, that uh, teaches teaches grown-ups how to talk to kids about terrorism. I call it the birds and the bees talk for the 20th for the 21st century because it's a fact of life um, that we need to learn how to become more resilient to withstand and to uh, have a successful life regardless of the fact that we are constantly being besieged by terrorist threats and actually terrorist attacks. As you will hear as we talk more about today, um, it is rather chilling. So... um, And the second part of the book, as I said, is a picture book for kids. It answers, it does not pussyfoot around. It talks about, uh, you know, who the terrorists are, why they want to hurt us, um, but in a way that is is psychologically appropriate for kids and uh, not too much and yet does not, not, what, disguise the the truth. It doesn't tell kids that blondes and bikinis are the ones creating the terrorist attacks. So, um, and you can, you can go to my website, which is terroristtherapist.com, for all kinds of information about terrorism. And you can go, the book is, is sold wherever books are sold, bookstores, online. Uh, the easiest place is from the publisher, which is um, www.terrorism4kids, terrorism, the number four, kids.com. Okay, now back to today's topic. Uh, New York City in the crosshairs of terrorists. Now, this is the scary part. Um, beginning weeks ago, the uh, ISIS media, you know, media officially connected to ISIS, has been publishing a, uh, a photo of a Santa Claus standing in the middle of Times Square next to a crate of dynamite. Now, it's nighttime in Times Square, and it says, We meet at Christmas in New York, dot, 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 soon. Now, when you look at this photo, and you can find it on the Internet, um, it, it looks like Santa is standing on one of the platforms that they have in the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve. So even though, you know, I mean, yes, it's Santa Claus. Santa Claus is connected to Christmas. And yes, I do believe there will be attacks uh, between now and Christmas and between now and New Year's. Um, but I think, I think it cleverly is meant to suggest New Year's Eve attacks as well. You know, they didn't have him during daytime walking down, walking in the middle of Times Square. They have him on this platform. And again, he's holding a, a red sack, 
a bulging red sack that may be full, filled with toys, or on the other hand, it might be filled with explosives. And then, um, especially since next to him is this box that says danger, explosives. So, um, this, you know, this, what is this conveying to their followers? Obviously, it's conveying, you know, a suggestion for this is where you want to create your attacks. Now, it's, now New York isn't the only place that the, the, the ISIS media is trying to um, provoke its followers to attack. There are also uh, posters and uh, media uh, stories about, about uh, how there should be attacks in major European cities such as London and Paris. There's another picture that targets Queen Elizabeth II and the Vatican. Now, what else? What, what kind of coup would that be? I mean, Times Square obviously is a big coup, but on Christmas, uh, having an attack on the Vatican would be monumental. I mean, of course, it's not a surprise. It's not new that the that terrorists want to target the Vatican. That's Vatican. That's been a long-standing target. Now, if you remember, uh, last year at Christmas, or right before Christmas, December 19th, 2016, there was an attack on a Christmas market in Berlin. And that killed 12 people, and it injured dozens more. And that was when an ISIS uh, sympathizer rammed a stolen truck into this Christmas market in Berlin. Now, um, as far as going, getting back to New York... Uh, so far, even though the terrorist has, the Port Authority terrorist I'm talking about now, has said that he did this because he was inspired by ISIS, he did this in the name of ISIS and so on, um, ISIS has not yet taken credit for it, so that, um, you know, in other words, and they haven't really found a, a definitive tie that he was in communication necessarily with ISIS, um, you know, a back-and-forth communication, but he, um, but he, he was inspired in terms of how to build the bombs and so on uh, by, by ISIS. I mean, it's all over the Internet. And then, of course, um, Halloween, we had uh, an, an early holiday uh, attack, in other words, uh, before Christmas, uh, way before Christmas, for Halloween, uh, but still notab- notable for its being on a ho- holiday, on Halloween, we had Seifulu Saipov, who killed eight people when he drove his rented truck down a Manhattan bike path. And since he's been in custody, he's bragged about the attack. He requested an ISIS flag in his hospital room. And even though he has said all of this, you know, um, that he did this in the name of ISIS and all of that, he has, he has pleaded not guilty to his charges. <laughs> now, how that fits, you know... Only in his mind. All right. So uh, there, there are more uh, of these propaganda posters put out by the media associated with ISIS. For example, uh, there is a there is a hand holding a bloody knife before a market in the neighborhood of the Eiffel Tower. That's one poster, a hand holding a bloody knife before a market near the Eiffel Tower. That's uh, 
That's rather chilling. And then another poster has a black-clad jihadist standing over Santa on London's Regent Street. Regent Street is, uh, you know, where it has a big um, high-class shopping uh, center. So, you know, a lot of Christmas shoppers, shoppers would be there, and so Regent Street would be a good place um, to have an attack if you're trying to have mass casualties. And, in fact, there was recently an explosion in London. Perhaps you remember this. A few weeks ago, there was an explosion that, turned, that everyone <laughs> freaked out about and thought was an attack, and it turned out uh, not to be, but it was in a shopping district in London. And then also, um, there's, there are more posters um, and, and media stories that say the Crusaders' feast is approaching. This is put out by the ISIS media for jihadists. The Crusader, in other words, to encourage them, the, the Crusaders' feast is approaching. As Christmas is approaching, we're going to have a feast, is what it's saying. Um, there was also, getting back to the Vatican, there was a poster depicting a vehicle moving toward the Vatican with a bunch of weapons vowing, quote, Christmas blood, unquote. I mean, uh, then also, let's see, in 2015, of course, there was the attack on a San Bernardino County Christmas party by Syed Rizwan Farouk and Tashfin Malik, husband and wife. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, that was quite devastating. Then, let's see, um, then there was a video, there is a video, well, there was, it was put out in 2016 um, by a media affiliate of ISIS that showed a suicide bomber striking Times Square. Now, in this video, it starts with uh, the word USA in the upper corner of the video. It shows a person who you can't really see too well assembling a bomb to put in a suicide vest. And then the person buttons up a blue shirt, uh, straps on the bomb belt, zips up a dark brown leather jacket to conceal his suicide bomb, and he's wearing a stainless steel wristwatch that reads 925. Dun, dun, dun. Now, that was 2016, but that does, <laughs> somehow I think that video is still floating around the Internet. And, of course, 925, I would hope that um, last year they paid a lot of attention, particularly to that time. I mean, that would have been when, uh, when people were gathering in Times Square for New Year's. So then, all, and in fact, it's followed by scenes of Times Square, the torso of this man, leather-jacketed man, walking along the street. You can see a TGI Friday sign and then you see him pulling the ring on his detonator. And then they kind of, they used footage that they got from, or it was supposed to be, footage from um, an Al Jazeera segment, but they fuzzed out the name of the network, Al Jazeera, and then they showed news footage of the ABC News Building banner in New York with a headline scrolling about the November 2015 Paris attacks. Then the video showed the Orlando nightclub bomber Omar Mateen with close-ups of the weapons that he used, 
on the Pulse nightclub. Um, and then, let's see. Um, oh, then there was uh, a criminal complaint just just recently um, about a, a terrorist um, who was discussing a plot to conduct a Nice-style attack using a garbage truck to mow down people in Times Square. Um, you know, this uh, Times Square, in other words, New York City, but especially Times Square, is at the center of their target. Uh, the center, you know, this, this would be their prized target if they were able to get Times Square, particularly, of course, Christmas, lots of Christmas shoppers, and, of course, New Year's Eve. So that, you know, and, and especially because of 9-11, New York City is still the key target in the crosshairs of terrorists. Now, um, there was also a plot uh, that was only revealed recently. It had been foiled, but it, it was a plot from, uh, from several months back, and it was only revealed recently because the people were charged, and it was in the papers related to the court. There was a Canadian a U.S. citizen who was living in Pakistan, and a Philippine citizen. And they were all working together to plot an attack in New York City, a, a, a Paris-style um, attack, you know, the, uh, where a number of things were targeted at once or one after the other. So the, this threesome wanted to detonate bombs in Times Square and the New York City subway system, and they wanted to shoot civilians at specific concert venues. In fact, um, one of these three men plotting the attack said to uh, someone who he thought was an ISIS sympathizer, but it turned out to be uh, a, an investigator, you know, a, a federal official, uh, we seriously need a car bomb at Times Square. These, look at these crowds of people. This was one of these one of the three terrorists who were plotting together to do a Times Square attack. That again, it was foiled um, by incredible detective work and so on, but you know, we don't find out about it until months and months later. So just, just to let you know that about all these things that are going on behind the scenes, it's not just this one guy this week who came to um, uh, in the subway near the Port Authority and his Vest didn't really go off as planned, so uh, there were only five people injured, nobody killed, and so, you know, a lot of people want to just say, ah, you know, <laughs> it was, he was a wannabe terrorist who didn't do a very good job. Well, let me tell you, there's a lot behind him. And we're going to be talking more about this when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. 
She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about New York City in the crosshairs of terrorists. Well, let's talk now about some of the details of the actual uh, attack that occurred this past week um, and uh, analyze some. You know, there isn't, so far, there isn't really a lot known about his background, which, of course, as a psychiatrist is always incredibly frustrating to me because when I put him on my couch, as I'm doing today, I like to have a little bit more information. But anyhow, we will do the best we can with what we have so far. So during the day, um, or before, before he went on the subway uh, to carry out his attack, uh, Akayed Ula, a 27-year-old from Bangladesh, posted on Facebook, uh, Trump, you failed to protect your nation. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously um, angry at the United States, angry at the president, and so on. Uh, you know, fail to protect your nation. I think he's doing a pretty good job of, of trying, anyway, to, uh, uh, to do more things, and he has been successful in the Middle East more than, than certainly presidents before him and in what he's trying to do with the um, immigration policies and so on. Uh, he is trying to protect the country better than it's been protected in the past. In any case, um, he is now facing this... this uh, Akayed Ula, is now facing five federal terrorism-related charges and three state terrorism-related charges. He um, detonated a device that was made of battery wires, a battery, wires, metal screws, and a Christmas tree light bulb. Now, don't you like that touch? <laughs> battery, wires, metal screws, sort of some of the typical things that you might find in an explosive device. But a Christmas tree light bulb, I, you got to love that, right? Uh, to, to be in, to, to show that he's following um, what, what uh, ISIS wants him to do. So, and in fact, as, he, as I said, he said that he was inspired by ISIS. So, um, 
where this occurred, to be more specific, well, first of all, it, it occurred at 7.20 in the morning, which is, you know, of course, rush hour, uh, and it was in an underground walkway that connected two subway lines beneath the Port Authority bus terminal near Times Square. So he was following the, the recommendations, you know, near Times Square, uh, the Port Authority bus terminal, especially at rush hour, is going to have a, a ton of people. So he planned the location carefully. Now, when they, of course, after after the um, explosion happened, and again, it didn't totally detonate, but after it happened, um, they started looking at the security cameras, and they found him on a security camera when he was entering the subway. He climbed the subway station stairs to the 18th Avenue F train platform in Brooklyn at 6.25 a.m., so like uh, 55 minutes before he exploded the, uh, tried to explode (laughs) his device. Then he went to, now I'm I'm giving you details because some of you are from New York and this, this would probably mean something to you. He then switched to the A train at J Street Metro Tech Stop which is in Brooklyn, before exiting the train at the Port Authority bus terminal stop in Manhattan. Then, um, so that's, then he was in that passage. And um, you, there's, a, there's a video where uh, you see commuters walking through a tunnel when suddenly a burst of smoke erupts into the hallway, filling the hallway, this passageway. The commuters, you know, react, flinch, and take cover. And then, so they run away, and then when the smoke clears, you see a man lying on the ground in this passageway, and that's the terrorist. And um, he has told people afterwards that he was prepared to die. He, um, he was wired up with this uh, device that he made himself um, the whole time that he was in the subway. Now, what we know about him so far is that um, he's been living in the United States since 2011. He came on a chain migration policy. It's an F-43 family immigrant visa. So in other words, this is a kind of visa where uh, when one person comes, they're allowed to bring their family. You know, So more and more people come after one gets, uh, gets to be a resident. So this terrorist became a lawful permanent resident living in Brooklyn. He has no criminal record in the U.S. or in Bangladesh so far that, it, that they have been able to find. He, was a, um, he had a license to, to be a driver. Um, from March 2012 to March 2015, he had a taxi and limousine commission license, and then that wasn't renewed after that. And uh, it's unclear so far whether he actually worked doing that. Some reports say that he did work as a driver, um, but that it isn't 100% uh, clarified. Um, so he said that his radicalization began in 2014. Now, he's currently um, at, in the hospital at Bellevue, which is where I trained in psychiatry, most fabulous, exciting place uh, and best training place in the world. He's being treated for lacerations and burns to his hands and his abdomen, and he is considered seriously injured. So that's where he is now. 
but um, before he, before this blast, he supposedly was doing some electrical work near the Port Authority, along with his brother, who lives in the same apartment building in Brooklyn as uh, the terrorist. And um, so, you know, he apparently had time to survey the joint and, uh, to, and to plot what he was going to do. So his radicalization began in 2014. Um, he began researching how to build improvised explosive devices in 2016. He began collecting the necessary items two to three weeks ago, and then he built the bomb in his home a week ago. So he was building up to this event. Uh, they found when they went into his apartment, they found a passport in his name with a handwritten message that said, Oh, America, die in your rage. I think he was projecting. He's the one with the rage. Um, now, interestingly, he has a wife and a son in Bangladesh. And he um, visited there for the last time in September. Now, um, and, and there are reports also that he was traveling around quite a bit before then. So perhaps he was, you know, I mean, that's what has to be investigated, whether he was meeting up with ISIS followers in the Middle East. But, you know, it always blows my mind that these terrorists have, well, even terrorists, I mean, male terrorists, I mean, there are some women terrorists as well, uh, we know. But, um, you know, typically the male terrorist and then the women who are married to men who are terrorists and who know what the man is doing, and pretty much all of them do, um, these, when these couples have children, it just always blows my mind that they have such a, such a lack of empathy that they don't care whether their child uh, loses a parent or loses both parents, like the couple uh, who committed the attack in San Bernardino. They had a child, a young child, and uh, they knew they were going to be, they expected to die. They knew they were going to uh, leave their child without parents. Um, and, and it doesn't really seem to phase them. Now, they would say because their cause is much more important and, and their family will bring up their child. Um, let's see. So he had on him two devices. The one that detonated was a foot-long pipe that contained black powder, a battery, wiring nails and screws, and um, it was attached to, to the terrorist, to Ula, with Velcro and zip ties. Doesn't really seem very, very um, st uh, stable, but I guess you don't, I guess that was enough. He made the bomb last week, as I said, and uh, it was considered to be a low-tech device which he then, uh, you know, which he then wasn't able to uh, explode fully. The explosive chemical ignited, but the pipe itself didn't explode. And he detonated it, but it didn't fully have the effect he was hoping for. So five people were treated for minor injuries in hospitals nearby, and they all were in stable condition and were released. So that's the positive part of the story. But the... Um, you know, the negative part is that this is not going to be a one-time thing. There, you know, as I said at the beginning, there are all there is this campaign going on by ISIS to 
recruit lone wolves uh, to do to do exactly what the Halloween terrorists did and what this Port Authority terrorist did. So um, then we have Governor Cuomo, who said, despite this morning's terrible incident, New Yorkers went about their lives unafraid, undeterred, and more united than ever before. We will not allow this to disrupt us. Um, and then he directed the World Trade Center's spire to be lit in red, white, and blue. Now, you know, um, yes, I urge everybody not to give up their plans, not to stop their life. But, you know, the difference between what I talk about and what I write about and what, Go- what Governor Cuomo and many other people um, do, really out of, more out of fear than anything, um, you know, tell people to go on their way where this isn't going to be, uh, uh, you know. And then to say that despite what happened, New Yorkers went about their lives unafraid, undeterred. Really? Somehow, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they might well have been stoic and gone about their business and done what they were planning to do that day. But um, don't tell me that it didn't uh, spark some degree of fear in them. Uh, and in people outside of New York, a little less, of course, but people outside of New York realizing, oh, they're not gone yet. Oh, damn it, they keep planning to attack us. <laughs> you know? Um, and what I talk about is how we need to take each of these attacks. We need to be grateful in this case that not more people were injured or anybody was killed. But we need to take these things as warning signs. You know, it's like time is ticking, folks. And what we need to be doing when these things happen is not say, oh, you know, look, you couldn't even build a bomb that worked. Um, we need to say, look, there are these posters, there's this ca- media campaign from ISIS to get lone wolves to, to commit attacks, especially between now and Christmas or now and New Year's. And so what we need to be doing between now and New Year's <laughs> And, from, and making a New Year's resolution to do is to make ourselves more physically and psychologically strong so that we can be more resilient in the face of terrorism, not just in the face of terror attacks, you know, because I know what you're thinking, oh, well, there's not one of the chances of there being a terror attack right near me. No, it's not as good as the chances of you hearing, which you do, which we all do every day, reports about things related to terrorism. And even though people want to bury their heads and pretend that it doesn't bother them or pretend that this isn't something we should, you know, do anything about or think about, um, that's at one level. We listen to the news and we take it in and that's, you know, interesting news. And then we, we bury our heads and we pretend that it doesn't, somehow it doesn't affect us. We go into denial. And that is a very bad state to be in. There's a degree of healthy denial, meaning that it's good that we don't get so scared that we just stay in bed all day and pull the covers up over our heads. But at the same time, we should be practicing things every day that um, help to make us psychologically and physically stronger. So, for example, psychological, well, in both, psychological and physically, the first thing you do, and I talk about how you need to think of this as if you were running a marathon. So if you were running a marathon, you would want to first take care of anything um, in your mind and in your body that could get in the way of you winning the marathon. 
And so what that means is um, you would you might not get into therapy for a marathon, but you might. There are people, of course, who do these um, um, who do mindfulness training or guided imagery or you know have a sports coach um, that helps them with these kinds of things. And certainly in regard to terrorism, um, if you have any kind of mental problem, I don't mean, you know, like a, it doesn't have to be a severe mental illness like schizophrenia. I'm talking about anything, anxiety, depression, um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, uh, agoraphobia, um, PTSD from, from 9-11, um, any of these things. You know, any kind of psychological or, or issue that you can, re- just even relationship problems, any kind of psychological issue that you can think of, um, you need to get that fixed because every day hearing uh, from the media reports about terrorism, great on you. Even though, you know, Governor Cuomo wants to say that New Yorkers <laughs> went about their lives unafraid, undeterred, and all that. Yes, that it might be how they looked on the outside, but on the inside they weren't feeling as great as they did when they left home that morning, not yet knowing about this terrorist attack. It wears on us. You know, this attack is probably going to be forgotten soon. That's the problem with these. Way too soon. But, you know, we we. We consciously forget about it, but all these things are in our unconscious mind and they are weighing on us. So the first part of what we need to do is to make sure that we get into this best psychological state as possible, and that could include include going to a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker, um, and or um, listening to uh, guided meditation tapes, uh, mindfulness, you know, depending upon how serious your particular psychological problem is. And the other part of this is physical. That whatever physical problems that you might have, whether it's something serious that you're in treatment for or something that's just kind of annoying like uh, headaches that come on and off or stomach aches that come on and off. Of course, these things could be related to anxiety, by the way, but it could be something more serious. Whatever it is, whatever symptoms... Um, you may have, even if it's something that you think is minor, you need to get these things fixed in tip-top shape and you need to do exercise and do things uh, and eat the right food and take vitamins and do all the things that you know that you should do but that you haven't been doing because, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I myself prefer Rocky Road, but, uh, but I, I've been, actually I've been changing my diet too. Um, uh, not only to lose weight, but also to, to eat in a more healthy kind of way. And it's really, it's, it really is interesting to see how your body responds to that. You feel more energetic and so on. But these are all the kinds of things. I mean, I think you probably could list some of them yourself, but you don't do it. That's the problem. Well, stay tuned. We need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High definition, premier quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com welcome back to dr carol's couch if you have a question or comment for dr carol dial toll free at 1-866-472-5788 now back to the show here's dr carol lieberman and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today about um, New York City in the crosshairs of terrorists. And we're talking particularly about the recent reta- attack this past Monday uh, by Akayed Ula, 27-year-old man from Bangladesh, um, who came into the United States <coughs> through train- chain immigration. One family member brought the next family member who brought the next family member, and finally we get a terrorist. Gee, what a surprise. Um, okay. Uh, so, now let, let, here's the kicker. Um, after this attack, Ula's family released a statement through the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is um, a PR group, that tries to um, make terrorism friendly, uh, you know, make, make it seem like terrorists are friendly. They don't want to attack us. Um, now, so they released a statement saying that they are heartbroken by the attack, but they are also outraged by the behavior of unspecified law enforcement officials during the investigation. So they said, quote, Today we have seen our children, as young as four years old, held out in the cold, detained as their parents were questioned. One teenage relative was pulled out of high school classes and interrogated without a lawyer, without his parents. These are not the actions that we expect from our justice system, and we hope to see better in the days and weeks to come. Really? <laughs> um, you know, at the, right after the incident, the investigators were rushing to try to make sure that there was nobody associated with the terrorist who was going to be carrying out a subsequent attack, you know, like right after the first one. So, excuse me if they weren't, uh, if they didn't offer you tea and crumpets, but, um, you know, and, and 
um, of course, families always pretend that they knew nothing about it. Now, this actually, um, uh, there seems to be, I would not be surprised if it turns out, because there seems to be some, some red flags that this particular terrorist did have some mental problems. Um, he lived alone. He was considered a loner. Uh, that's never a good sign. But he did live in the same building as his brother. He worked with his brother just recently. Um, the family, he had, now, you know, again, he has a wife in Bangladesh and a one-year-old son. It's not clear why he would leave them, but, uh, and obviously, and he was expecting to die. So, um, you know, he was really leaving them. Uh, but anyhow, but, but his family is annoyed that they were not treated with kid gloves after the attack uh, when the investigators were trying to, to prevent another attack. Anyhow, um, ISIS it has been critical of terrorists who get captured instead of dying or escaping. So, uh, you know, dying they become martyrs. Or escaping, they can go on to do further terror attacks. So they are not going to be very happy with Mr. Ula for not, for not dying <laughs> um, or for not escaping. Um, and then, of course, another example is the Halloween terrorist who didn't die. Uh, he was shot by a policeman, and then he went to the hospital, and he was being treated and so on, but he did not die. Um, they also, ISIS is also not happy when their lone wolves don't kill anyone. So the, an example of that is last year's Ohio State um, a terrorist, Abdul Razak Ali Artan. He uh, rammed his car and then stabbed people standing nearby, but um, he didn't kill anyone. So Ula is... But really, doubly, they're going to not like him altogether. No wonder they're not claiming responsibility. They're embarrassed. Not only did Ula not kill anyone, uh, he didn't die, and he didn't escape. Oh, Ula is in deep kakaduda. <laughs> yes, this is a little gallows hum- humor here as a way to, uh, to deal with all of this. Okay, because here's another little tidbit, and it, this is, like, amazing, because I um, had... You know, I do this terrorist therapist uh, vlog, that's V as, as in Victor, video blog, um, uh, and a podcast that are both called The Terrorist Therapist Show. And um, I was just saying in my last podcast about how, about, I was talking about the California fires and about how they made me, um, you know, I was, I actually lived fairly close to one of them, and, um, which seems to be going in the other direction now, which you would think would make me feel much calmer, and it does a little, but, um, but, but, um, but, you know, fires can start anywhere, can spring up anywhere, and in fact, so on this podcast, I was kind of saying somewhat tongue-in-cheek, I mean, I guess I didn't want to believe that, that, um, ISIS or terrorists, Al-Qaeda, whoever, could think about such a thing. But in fact, they already have. And that is um, being, becoming arsonists. In other words, uh, you don't have to build a bomb that, um, you know, be a suicide vest or an, an um, 
explosive device, you know, that apparently is not all that easy to do for some people, um, you, can, you can just become an arsonist. Now, uh, so, so when I was doing the podcast, I was saying, you know, there were, at the time there were four fires right around Los Angeles, and I was saying now, I was trying to get people to imagine, I was telling my listeners, imagine if these four fires um, were set by terrorists. And I was trying to say, my point was, that when you're in life and death situations, like, like you know, worrying about fires getting close to your house, um, that uh, it makes you see things more clearly, such as not, how not only you should be more prepared for fires, but you should be more prepared for terrorism. And I kind of, I'm talking about the thing that I just told you about getting, preparing for a marathon as if you were running a marathon, preparing yourself physically and, and um, mentally. And uh, also I talk about building stronger nests um, for families, that they should build stronger nests so that they're all more resilient, the kids and the parents. And um, so anyway, I was talking about all of that, and then I mentioned, you know, imagine if there were four terrorists, each starting off one of these four fires. And it was almost too, too scary to really imagine. And then I come across this today. <laughs> ISIS again fixates on California wildfires, highlighting the week's wind-driven devastation. And so apparently in a uh, weekly newsletter, Al-Nabah and other ISIS um, propaganda, they, they went into great detail about the California fires, and um, they were encouraging their followers to try arson as a terror tactic. And, of course, they didn't take, they haven't yet taken credit for starting any of the fires in California. And it's, so far, um, we don't know yet how these fires were started. There hasn't been any, I mean, they're still pretty, still pretty fresh. Some of them are still burning. And um, uh, so, you know, they haven't been able to finish their detective work, of course. And they don't, they ha- or at least they haven't announced what they found if they did find something. Uh, so we don't know the cause of these recent fires. So, but in um, January, uh, last January, this magazine um, stressed to would-be jihadists that, quote, incendiary attacks have played a significant role in modern and guerrilla warfare as well as in lone wolf terrorism. So they mentioned a fire at a furniture factory in Russia, that was started by um, terrorists, ar- arsonists, terrorist arsonists. <laughs> uh, and then whoa, scores of wildfires around Israel that, quote, demonstrated the lethality of such an effortless operation. Yes, you don't have to rent a car or a truck. You don't have to build a bomb. You can just light a match. I mean, this is really, really scary. So um, the magazine went on to say they suggested certain target locations, quote, houses and apartment buildings, forest areas adjacent to residential areas, factories that produce cars, furniture, clothing, flammable substances, etc., gas stations, hospitals, bars, dance clubs, nightclubs, banks, car showrooms, schools, universities, and churches. And then, uh, then they say, the options are vast, leaving no excuse for delay. Then they suggest, time the arson 
to the later part of the night to the early hours of morning when people are generally asleep. And then they talk about how to block off exits so that there are more casualties. Uh, Look for dry brush. Um, Leave, but get this, leave the mark of ISIS somewhere near the fire site with spray paint or black marker. Now, you know, that's a little tricky because... uh, because you would have to, you would want that to uh, survive the fire. I mean, you can't like paint it on a tree, <laughs> uh-huh, because you know, with the winds, that tree might uh, might be burnt up. So that part is a little tricky. Um, maybe that'll <laughs> that's the positive in all this, um, because of course they won't, wouldn't a terrorist wouldn't want to do it without getting credit for it being. Uh, related to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or whoever they were, they were following in the footsteps of. Well, I'm sorry to be, you know, I know, in a way this should be a Halloween show because, because it's very scary, but, um, but why am I going through all of this? You need to know, and this really is not in, I had to do a lot of research before I came across these things, and, um, and because in general the media is not, you know, doesn't really want to put out all this scary stuff. And I am putting it out because I want you to, to really think seriously about what I was saying in terms of um, getting prepared. In other words, it's not going to be just a lone, inept terrorist who tried to uh, set a bomb off near the Port Authority and who didn't end up hurting anybody. Um, there are more serious things, you know, there's a whole, they are not stopping. There was a chain, there was a campaign, um, and the problem is that the people who are most vulnerable to becoming uh, radicalized are people who are already troubled. Um, they may be in jails, they may just be, you know, a teenager uh, who, is, who was abused as a child or is using drugs, who is troubled in some way and angry, hurt and angry, and is susceptible to Believing all the propaganda that ISIS puts out, wants to be famous and doesn't care if they die and, um, because they're feeling hopeless about their own life. So please, um, you know, take all of this seriously. Don't think, oh, yeah, we're, gonna have to, we're just going to have to put up. That was another quote from uh, some official in New York. Oh, well, we're just going to have to get used to terrorist attacks happening. That's like what the mayor of London said. no. They're not going to just get used to it. We have to make ourselves stronger physically and psychologically, and we need to especially help our children to understand terrorism according to their age. And again, let me give out the um, website for my book, which is terrorismforkids.com. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.